many are called, but few are chosen. In Matthew 22, starting at verse 1, it says, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. So, um, you guys remember the, the importance of Brother Smith, I think you've taught the principle of dynamic success. And in that lesson, you've taught it many times, in that lesson, it has the rules for guests. And um, I've learned, I mean, I re I've tried to apply those principles. And what a difference they make, don't they, Sister Katrina? Because you have done that too. So that one rule, that, that rule that when you're invited, you go. And, uh, you know, that second rule that when you go, you take the lowest seat. And Jesus, you know, he, he abode, he lived on this earth, and he lived by those rules that he established. We learned about that, the principle of dynamic success at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, where he took the low seat over by the servants' quarters. And when they had run out of wine, his mother Mary came and said, we've run out of wine. <laughs> he said, it's not my time. It's not my hour. What have I to do with thee? And at that point, she made him the host. And so we, we've talked about that before. And so when I first started learning about that principle, I... Um, started trying to apply it. And when somebody would invite me to something, if I had the opportunity, I would go. And you know the difference it made in that relationship. When I showed up at somebody's invitation, I could tell it meant a lot to them. Let's say you have something that you, that's important to you and you're going to have a celebration, and you invite friends, and certain people, they just never seem to show up. Certain people, you always invite them, and they never seem to come. 
And, uh, but what about those ones you can always rely on? You invite them, it seems like they will come. And um, it feels like they're your true friends, doesn't it? And so I started applying that principle, started paying attention. And when I would show up, uh, when I was invited, um, people, I noticed that they started treating me differently. And they were so happy that I was there. It would be a minister at another service, and they would invite me. And if I was able to come, I, was, I tried to come. I tried to make that a reality. And so here's this king. He made a marriage for his son. How important is that to that king? And he sends out invitations. And some of these people, they made light of it. And they, we read, I think, I forgot to bring my um, iPad. I left it out there. But, um, so I have to read it off my phone. Um, it said in verse 3, he sent, sent forth his servants to call them that were been to the wedding, and they would not come. It's like what they had going on was more important. Is there anything more important than his kingdom? Is there anything more important? I just don't feel like it is. Since I was a young child, my dad would drill that into my mind, how important it was. And, um, and I've been so surprised over the years when people made light of it. They have other things that they, they would go out of their way to be at or to do, but when it came to, you know, these, it, this, the one was a farmer, one, the Bible says, merchandise. And um, could you imagine what that king was feeling when nobody came? And then those final ones, they were treated spitefully, and he was wroth. He was very angry. Angry. And um, there is this statement right here. I've highlighted it because uh, it just makes me think of it. You cannot honor the Father and lessen the Son at the same time. You know, there's a lot of people who say they love the Lord, they love God, but they seem to put Jesus in a much lesser category. They've lowered him to a place just, a, just way down here. And, um, but to the, in this parable, and what was the purpose of the parables? There's two purposes. One was to reveal. One is to conceal. To reveal or conceal. And I would like that, you know, when Jesus told a parable, that it would be, I would be one of the ones that he would reveal it to, not hid a certain truth from. And so this was this parable, this king that made a marriage for his son. And I can start understanding this as a father. And, you know, there are certain things that are important to me. And if my son had a wedding and I sent out invitations, and I could imagine, you know, me as a father, how important that would be to me. Um, and so they made light of it. They made light of the importance of that invitation. So they were too busy 
they were too busy to stop what they were doing and come to the wedding. They were too busy, no matter what that urgency of the call was, to honor the king's son and, in essence, to honor the king. So they made light of it all. Um, uh, the three types of men in this passage are the farmer, the businessman, and thieves. Um, the call to the farmer, the call of the earth was to him louder and more urgent than the call of the king. You know, and there is a call that's going out. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. I think about that scripture in the book of Revelation where it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Whosoever's thirsty, come. Let him drink of the waters of life freely. So there is that voice that is urgent, that's calling to come. But there are some who just won't come. There are some who make light of it. There are some that would rather do something else. And is there anything that's more important? Really? Is there anything that's more important? So to the farmer, that call of the earth was louder. To the businessman, the call of the carnal things was to him louder and more urgent than the call of the king to that businessman. I'm amazed sometimes that people, they can't go out of their way for him, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm surprised they go out of their way for certain, some of the things they go out of their way for, but they don't go out of their way sometimes for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thieves, you know, the remnant, the leftovers of those that the king had once thought worthy. They weren't like the lowly farmer or the uptown merchant. They took the king's servants and they entreated them spitefully. They demanded things of them they were never intended to give. Um, they expressed against them all their jealousy, bitterness, and against every king who once thought enough of them to invite them to the marriage, or the very king who once thought enough of them to invite them to the marriage of his son and to call them to the wedding, call them to a, a second time to his wedding supper. So they entreated his servants, the Bible says, spitefully and killed them. And so they may have believed they could have hid the truth from the king. But it's never really that way. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, the Bible tells us. Some way, somehow, the king who once thought them worthy of the invitation once thought them qualified for calling and important enough for a second calling, heard about what they had done, and it's a foolish thing to refuse the grace of the king. There's always those who would love to feast at his table as guests, as servants, as slaves. But <clears throat> when the king heard of it, he was wroth. He was wroth, not just upset, disturbed, or displeased, but he was wroth. So he sent forth his armies, all of his armies. Um, this is different from sending his servants. He declared a total war, 
and he determined that their rejection of him and his son and their mistreatment and murder of his servants demanded that they all be destroyed, wiped out. So could you imagine what this king was feeling? This king. So the Bible says, uh, destroyed the murderers, burned up their city. It may have been that the farmer's fields were trampled. Maybe the merchant's shop inventory supplies eliminated, possibly. Those heavy things, those things that were so important to them in this life, which allowed the making light of the king's call, were eliminated. And there's a lot of people who make light of the king's call. There's a lot of people who make light of the king's call. <sighs> That's a little bit heavy. That's a little bit heavy. Biblical hate means to hold in low esteem as unimportant relative to other things. Indifference is the fullest expression of hate. The farmer, the merchant were indifferent to the invitation and the callings of the king. They were indifferent. Um, you know, every May, we started a number of years ago, um, Global Impact. And I don't know, it was while Brother Haney was the general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. And he sent this out for all these UPC churches to do all this program and all this stuff. My dad handed it to me, and I was looking through it, and I thought, you know what? This is the globe. This is our general superintendent. I'm going to go ahead. Look, we'll just start implementing these things because he is a, a elder. He's a, you know, he's one of the guys that's got authority over me. I don't know him. I never knew him. But I just thought I was going to be respectful to that authority. And we started implementing some of those things. And do you guys remember what happened during May? What was the big promotion during May around Mother's Day? No. It was part of the global impact. It was called Come Home. It was Come Home Sunday. And they say that uh, during a year that uh, there are probably more people that come on Mother's Day, on a, the Mother's Day Sunday, than many other Sundays during the year. And so um, this was a time to reach out for backsliders specifically. And I, re I remember every year we would have that come home, and I would go and try to invite the same backsliders <laughs> And you know what they always said? Yeah, we should come. But they never came. And after two or three years of that, I stopped inviting them. And I wonder how many times that the call goes out. Many are called, but few chosen. And people take light of it. And people just, you know, they just refuse to go. That he says, you know what, this wedding has to be furnished with guests. 
So go out to the highways, go out to the byways, bid whosoever will. And so I stopped going to those same people who made light of it, just refused to come. And I started asking the Lord and trying to find somebody who would come, somebody who was hungry, you know. And so uh, I started thinking about that, that, that call. Many are called, but few are chosen. So indifferent, they were indifferent to the king, to his high regard and esteem for them. That esteem that he had towards them, that he would even invite them. It means something. Uh, we were sitting there Friday night. No, I'm sorry. Saturday night, Regina planned her own birthday party. This was great. And we were sitting there. My family was there, except for Rochelle. She missed it. She was at um, CLC for the week. And uh, my sister Gina was there with her family. And there was some other people there, some other friends. And Regina's boss was there. And she was sitting across from my wife and I. And towards the end, she was getting ready to leave. And she said, thank you for inviting me. And I said, Cindy, thank you for coming. Because it means a lot that you came at the invitation. It shows something that you cared enough about Regina to come when you were invited. And how many people have been called? How many people have been invited? And I think that call goes out. I don't think it's just um, a small number, but I think that call has gone out to everybody. And that's why I think every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. I think every single one to realize how hard they would have had to have fight against the continual invitations that they had, those continual callings that they've had. And so, but they refused. So it came to pass that the king issues another set of servants. And it seems that he never runs out of servants. And they were sent with new instructions. I'm sending out new invitations. It's time for the celebration. The wedding feast is ready. I've prepared the place and the party. Those that were first bidden and called were not worthy, and they are now dead and gone. Go invite everybody else. This wedding has to be a full house. So they understood the king's command. They understood the urgency. They knew that that invitation was one that didn't require an RSVP. It was the bidding and it was the call. They went into the highways they went and invited everyone they found there. They gathered all that they could find, both the good, the Bible says, and the bad. Everyone they could, the rich, the poor, the bond, the free, the Jew, the Gentile, anybody and everybody 
that would accept the invitation and respond to the call. And they followed the servants back to the chosen wedding place. There was no time to check on the farm, no time to close up the shop, no time to dry the dock, the ships, to stow the nets. There was no time to change clothes. It was a come-as-you-are times a wasting call. Everything's ready, the table's set, the food's getting cold, come and dine. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Not just family, but guests. The servants obviously could not allow the street people to enter into that wedding with super dirty hands and feet, faces, robes. So they helped them get cleaned up. They washed their feet. They gave them basins, water, soap to cleanse their hands. They provided them garments fit for the occasion. To furnish the wedding, they had to furnish the guests. So... That's kind of what the preacher's job is doing, right? The ministry, it's getting the guests ready. It's furnishing the saints of the Most High, getting them prepared, helping them get cleaned up, helping them get on that wedding garment that's fitting and pleasing to the king so they can be ready for the feast. But it was then that the king saw that there was a man that was not wearing the garment. He didn't have on a wedding garment, the Bible says. Maybe he had slipped through the processes uh, set in place by the servants of the king. Maybe he did not allow the washing of feet. I've been at some foot washing uh, services where people didn't want their feet washed. I, to be honest with you, it's a little uncomfortable to me, too, but <laughs> I got to do it, you know. Uh, the cleansing of the hands, the purifying of the heart. Somehow this one person bypassed the clothesline. He may have thought that he was better dressed than both the good and the bad, and so he could do without the furnishing. He may have thought that. Maybe he didn't like the cut of the wedding garments or the color. Maybe he just failed to pay attention and so failed to know he needed a change of raiment to be fit for the feast. And so he must have stood out. He must have stood out. No one went searching for that unfurnished guest. He was just easily visible. He was seen. Now, this statement, I would like, it, I just stood out to me. I just finished listening to Redeeming Our Society. And what, this one phrase popped out to me. Immodesty. Oh. It's noisy. <laughs> I should say that modesty, rather, stands out in an immodest society. So also immodesty stands out in a modest society. If all the king's guests are wearing white tie and tails, then I want to wear white tie and tails. If my king is holy, then I want to be holy. If my king is not seen as holy, it doesn't matter if I try to be or not. Conformity, uniformity, yes. But it is better 
term propriety, appropriateness. He was not, this one guest was not wearing a proper wedding garment. And the king saw him that way. But the king, he called him friend. He said, friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? So how did you get in here without the wedding garment? How did you slip through the process? How did you evade the clothesline? How did you ignore the fact that you were inappropriately dressed for the wedding supper? What could motivate you to disregard the proper attire and so dishonor this joyous occasion? How unimportant my son must be to you that you'd come in here in the same garb you'd wear in the highways and byways of everyday life. How little honor you give to me. So this society is the society of the wedding, not the society of the world. So what can you answer? What could you answer to the king if he asked you that question? Nothing. So this servant, it says in the Bible that he was speechless. And he was never addressed by the voice of the king again. But the king did speak of him to his servants. He said, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. While we'll be laughing and rejoicing, he will know only weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, if the standards of righteousness are bondage to you today, you will not appreciate the binding that is coming your way someday. But if being prepared for the party, being furnished for the feast, wrapped up in righteous robes for the wedding is a way to properly honor the son, then you'll be full of joy. Your teeth will never gnash on your teeth, but chew the fatted calf. So, What's the point? Many are called, but few are cho chosen. The kingdom of heaven is like this story because many are called, but few are chosen. Those the king had decided once were worthy were called, but none of them were chosen. They, they were called. The highway hikers were called. The good were called. The bad were called. Everyone the servants could find was called, and some of them accepted the call. Some of them followed the servants and were gathered together. Some of them paid the price, forsaking all on short notice to go where they had never been before, to do what they'd never done before, to honor a king and his son like they'd never had a chance to do before. Some of them who were called, they left their father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, all waiting at home for them to come to get in from the highway. All of them left their former lives behind. All of them were cleansed, hands, feet, hearts, and given a change of garments. And all of them were chosen, all except for one. So the king calls many and will choose as many as he can. We need to become the one who is the choice. We need to accept the invitation, answer the call. Follow and get furnished, get washed, get sanctified, get justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 
Many are, that are first shall be last, it says in Matthew 19. And many that are called, many are called, but few are chosen, we just read here in Matthew 2, 1 through 14. And Luke 14, it's, Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And then it talks about the called, the chosen, and the faithful. So let's heed the call. Let's heed the call. And it's 731. <laughs> I think that's a good place to stop. Um, but I've been thinking about this type of thing because it just, have you guys done that? Uh, and you're, you've tried to witness to the same person over and over and over and over again, and they never respond, they never respond, they never respond. And I started praying that prayer like Brother Danny Aber talks about, uh, Lord, your harvest, it's ready. It's, would you just send me somebody? Would you, somebody in my path? Would you open the door for me to talk to somebody? Because I keep talking to the same people over and over again. It doesn't seem to be doing any good. And so I've made that a prayer. And there are people who are hungry. There are people who are thirsty. There are people who want to know. And it might mean, uh, you know, talking to some stranger, which is a little bit uncomfortable for me. Not for Brother Smith. Brother Smith, it's easy for him. But for me, I'm more quiet. I'm, if I don't know somebody, I'm a little bit more awkward. But what if the Lord is leading you and directing you to talk to somebody? I had this opportunity uh, this week on the job site. And I don't know why we, the, the job has a brand new superintendent, a really tall guy. And um, I didn't, never met him before. He walked up and he said, are you Jim? And I said, yes. He goes, hey, can I show you some things? And I go, sure. So I was sh he was showing me something. He goes, I think that spout, that hot water dispenser, I think he goes, it looks like you got that from Home Depot. He was messing with me. I go, no, that can't, they, all of our material came from Ferguson plumbing supplies. He goes, it doesn't match the other dispenser. And I go, ah, oh, I never caught that. And so um, by the end of the day, we, he was messing with me, and he kept saying, I love that guy. I'm like, I barely even met this guy. <laughs> he kept saying, I just, I just love that guy. And um, I got to thinking, you know, um, God puts people in your paths. He puts people Every day, you may not know who they might be, but those opportunities are there for you to witness, for you to talk to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and so I, kept, I was telling my wife, I said, I don't really know why he was uh, just really boasting on me and bragging on me for the whole rest of the day. He, someone would come and he would be, I don't barely know the guy. And, uh, and so I just felt like... Um, the Lord was opening a door for me to talk to that man and to, and I just felt that. And, um, and uh, the Lord will do that for you. You know, make that a daily prayer. God, would you just open a door for me to talk to somebody and uh, just to be able to share who you are for that opportunity to, uh, you know, because there is that call. There's people that need to know who he is. 
and uh, people that are in your circle, people at the grocery store, at the gas station, wherever it might be, that really need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. People that I could never reach, that Brother Smith, you could reach, or Sister Smith, that you could reach, or, you know, Sister Katrina, you could reach. People, Michael, that you could reach that I could never reach. Brother McAtee, that you could reach. that, And so we have these people in our circles that, and the Lord allows certain us to be in certain places at certain times. And uh, so there's his wedding that needs to be furnished with guests. And so we need to be those people who are out there in the highways and the byways bidding people to come. Come unto Jesus. The spirit and the bride say come. Come unto Jesus. Give him your life today. Amen. So I like this Bible study. It's, it's just really challenging to me as a person to reach out and to, um, amen. Amen. That's it. Brother Smith, would you pray in close? Would you be willing to pray in closing today? Amen. Lord, we thank you for bringing us together and we praise all your blessings on our households. In the name of Jesus, we love you. Amen. All right.